Hi, this is uh, Bookish Talk, the shorter version of Fibergoing's podcast. Uh, and uh, today our guest is uh, Todd Davis. Uh, he already was a guest on our main podcast uh, almost a year ago, and he was the second guest of our podcast. And uh, uh, at that moment, uh, the situation in Massachusetts and in Boston was uh, pretty dire. Uh, uh, the lockdown was pretty, pretty complete. And uh, uh, yeah, we discussed lots of things, and uh, Todd even uh, was able to show us some some techniques. Uh, uh, but we wanted to return to him and to discuss how the things changed and how this past year passed. Um, hi, Todd. Hello. Hello from Massachusetts. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm Stepan, and my co-host Pavel, as usually, joins us uh, uh, from Moscow. However. Uh, this is my first time recording from Paris, from France, after our move, so uh, not, not so usual for me. <laughs> it's a bit unusual to, not to see you uh, surrounded by 3D printers, so yeah. it's uh, very, very <laughs> private, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is, this is sort of a half floor above our apartment, and I, I can't even stand here, so I, I'm sitting on the floor and... <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the, and the, the, the lap, lap, my laptop is uh, standing on on a bed right now, so it's it's very unusual conditions. Pavel had some questions, uh, sort of uh, to to remind our viewers and to introduce you once again to our viewers, and I will pass pass it to him. So it's the first time we two meet. Uh, I joined podcast a, a bit later. So could you tell me and our listeners a bit about yourself, about what you do, about how long you've been doing it and what the situation was a year ago? So let's recap a bit. Um, well, like I said, my name is Todd Davis and I run uh, Middlesex Foundry, uh, which is in Lowell, Massachusetts, about... 45 minute train ride north of here, uh, up close to the New Hampshire border. <clears throat> I've been there, well, this July 1st of this year, I will have been there for five years. Um, prior to that, I went for two years to North Bennett Street School for a bookbinding program and uh, started up the bindery after that. Um, I got really lucky on the bindery and that there was somebody retiring wanting to uh, get rid of all their stuff. So I was really lucky to be in a position to be able to do that. Uh, I had hoped to do this from there, but, um, you know, to give you like a little shop tour or something. But as part of our lockdown emerging process, um, last year, everything was locked down solid. Couldn't go anywhere and stuck in the house and all that. I was here for, I think, four months um, before I was able to get back to the, to the bindery. And so my last day of work last year was March 17th. And I think I got back there somewhere after the 1st of August. Uh, so I spent, <clears throat> spent the summer in the house, which was, I don't have AC, so it's pretty sweltering in here. But since then, things have been opening up slowly, sometimes a little too quickly, in my opinion. But one of the things that really shut down was the public transit. And still to this day, 
there are no trains on weekends. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are no trains on weekends, so I can't get to work on the weekends, even if I wanted to. Because um, I'd like to be there today. Today is the first outdoor market that they've had uh, since the lockdown, and I'd like to go, but there's no way to get there, uh, which is a shame. Come Monday, they're increasing the number of trains per day, so it's going to be a little bit easier to get there and back, because right now it's only every two hours, um, which really limits your workday. And the first one in the morning is at 8 o'clock, so I can't get there. It's 90 minutes from door to door. So I can't get to work till 9.30, and I'd like to be there a little earlier than that, but I can't. Um, but starting Monday, two days from now, um, it's supposed to open up a little bit better. Work over the last year has sort of exploded. I'm not quite sure, not quite sure what's happening except... I think an awful lot of people were sitting at home saying, I always meant to get that fixed or I always wanted to do that. And uh, as soon as the lockdown was up, they decided to, to have it done. So I've got a tremendous amount of work to do. It'd be nice to go there extra long day or, you know, weekend day or something. So you, 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 you told that uh, work sort of exploded. Uh, was it, uh... Uh, the accumulation of orders uh, during the lockdown or it happened to, after the lockdown ended uh, or, or the main part of the lockdown ended? I got a few calls during the lockdown with a couple of people who were disappointed that I wasn't declared an essential service and wasn't open. <laughs> But, you know, I'm not an essential service, so I was closed. But that was probably only two or three calls. Uh, so everything really has happened since... Uh, reopening and it's a it's an enormous variety of things um of course all the typical bible repair and that kind of uh bible and bibles and cookbooks you know but there's been a lot of people who quite a few of them actually who i think spent their lockdown going through their old photos um and putting a photo album together that they wanted bound uh there was one who had taken a tour of um, France and Switzerland two or three years ago and had all these digital photos that they went down and had printed and wanted it all bound up into a photo album for themselves. And some things like that, you know, there was, uh, there was one woman who wanted, uh, her boyfriend had a favorite movie and she was able to get the script for the movie. So she had that all bound. <clears throat> bound for him for a think for a birthday because his birthday happened to be Halloween so it was a it was appropriate for that movie you know <laughs> yeah. uh, the last the demo that I had when on our last um, time that we talked yeah. yeah for the rounded spine boxes that was finished got that finished in August and shipped um, to the customer so you finish this order pretty fast after you you open up yeah within a couple of weeks i mean i was able to get a little bit of it done here but you know there were always troubles there's nothing quite like working at the bindery you've got all the tools that you want right there and whenever you yeah. go elsewhere you're always missing that one critical thing that you've got to have and there, and so you're come to a dead stop so that kind of happened during the lockdown so i got it all hauled back to the bindery and was able to get that finished and out of the way. So that was good. 
if nothing more, if nothing else, than just to free up some floor space on the in the bindery, because that was, you know, what was it, something like thirty boxes or something? It takes mm-hmm. up a lot of room. <laughs> yeah. So that, get that shipped back. So that was that that got finished finally in August. And uh, other than that, it's mostly been individuals um, with a book or two. Some interesting stuff coming in. A lot of leather work which is unusual. So I don't know if people are spending their support money uh, <laughs> with that, but I, I'd encourage that too. <laughs> yeah. And what about materials? Uh, what about supplies? Is it difficult to get your leathers, your papers, or has everything restarted uh, as, as usual? The answer to that is pretty much the same as the answer to everything. Um, yes and no. The... The people who are do, are shipping me the supplies, the manufacturers and stuff, they're still fine. I have no trouble getting anything from them. The problem is the shipping companies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a real nightmare. They are building a supply by you know the, the four main places, the post office, Amazon, UPS, and FedEx. And uh, UPS and FedEx doesn't seem to want to deliver anymore. I've had more than one order just drop off the face of the earth. Uh, nobody was ever able to find it. Other ones I found in a building down the street. Uh, it just seems to, they shove it off the back of the truck whenever they're tired of working for the day, I think. So the, the suppliers and the manufacturers and the vendors and stuff, they're, they're fine. Mm-hmm. No problem there. It's, it's the shippers. Uh, the post office... I don't know how much you know about U.S. politics, but the post office is being destroyed from within. So the stuff actually comes, but it can come weeks late. There's a book cloth supply place in Hyannis on the other part of the state, excuse me, down on the Cape. And I ordered some samples from them uh, because I got an order in that I needed to buy some new stuff. And I wasn't quite sure what it was. It was between two or three different things. It's kind of hard to tell from the website what exactly it is without actually touching it or looking at it and comparing it with the existing one that I had to match. Uh, So I ordered a sample and two or three weeks later, you know, this is from Hyannis, which should have taken even, even just sticking a normal stamp on it, it should have taken two days. You can drive, you can drive there in about three hours, you know, but three weeks later I called them and said, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I never got it. I kind of get need to get moving on this project. And they're really nice down there. Uh, so they sent me a whole other sample. And then I think I called them on a Tuesday and Friday I had samples, which was great. Uh, so I was able to check against the sample with the, the existing product that I had that I had to match and made my order. And then the next week I got another set of samples. So the first one was from that three weeks or so before. Yeah. And and so it's just, you know, trying to try to coordinate all that has not been the easiest. FedEx, FedEx by far is the worst. Um, UPS has sort of been trained. They won't, they used to deliver to your studio. Uh, now they won't even come in the building. So they, as far as 
delivering, they sometimes will dump it in the lobby, but sometimes it's the lobby of the next building. Sometimes it's the company down the street. So you have like four or five places to check. Uh, FedEx doesn't bother delivering at all. I got uh, an auction win from, from um, Paul Brubaker. I got a, a, an auction win from him for a brand new set of type. Uh, it never came. So there's like 50 pounds, 50 pounds of printing type that's floating around probably in the bottom of the canal somewhere. I don't know. And what about the orders? Uh, uh, do people bring them to you in person and get them back uh, the same way or do they send it uh, uh, by post, by FedEx? Uh, it's a mix. Um, the, man the building management for where I am, I'm in a, uh, an old converted mill. Uh, there's three buildings, there's 250 studios in there. Uh, and I'm one of them on the third floor. But the building management, when the lockdown happened, they locked the building. So if you were coming to the building as a customer, you had to have an appointment. So that could come down and let you in. So you call me from the parking lot and I'll come down and let you in. <clears throat> it used to be from eight to five, the building was just open because um, there's a gallery in there and a whole bunch of other studios and stuff that you could just come in and go. But uh, the building is now open again from Wednesday to Sunday. Uh, so if you're coming on Monday or Tuesday, you'll still need to call me. But, but a lot of it was by the mail. People tended to, when they made contact with me, I explained to them the U.S. Postal Service has a thing called media mail, which is a very inexpensive way of shipping books, but you have to be very careful about what you put in the package. Uh, it can only be media. If you put in a letter of instructions, that's no longer media and it's first class mail, which will cost you about four times as much. Um, so if you just put in a book and a piece of paper with the return address and my address in the box, then you can send it uh, media mail. And it's the difference between, you know, $5 and $17 or something. So it's not insignificant. Uh, and then, which makes it nice to be able to return things for a very low shipping price, you know, uh, without saying, okay, here's your $50 repair and it's $20 to ship. It, that doesn't really go over too well. So uh, a lot of it is by mail. It really kind of depends too on what it is that's being repaired because those 1880s Bibles are, you know, they're 20 pounds. I mean, they're, they're huge things with the, the ones with the ornate covers and all that stuff. Uh, so they're big and heavy. And I think they're probably just too fragile to send through the mail. It would just end up being dust by the time I got it. So especially with the mail, the way that it is, it could be sitting on the shipping dock for, you know, a week or two. So I'm not sure that would be a good idea. And then some other ones, like there's one repair that I have right now that is a class yearbook from Yale in 1866. So it's kind of in the same shape as those Bibles, you know, the pages of all separated. And it was a yearbook, so, and it was for Yale, which is, you know, an expensive school. So each page has one person on it. 
So there's a person on this page, a person on that page, a person on that page. Uh, so it's that hard, stiff card. Uh, so that was never sewn. It was just glued. So that's all come apart. So that needs to be repaired. You know, the cloth that holds that stuff together tends to rot after about 100 years. So um, it needs some attention. And then there's one other one, kind of deciding whether I, yeah, I think it's okay, um, that I'm really interested in. And there's a guy who came in who's newly commissioned in the National Guard and his CO or somebody got this book that he thought was important to him and he passes it to each of his direct reports and they pass it on, on and on, each reading it and then inscri inscribing the inside cover um, as they pass it on. Well, it's been passed on about five or six times now. And um, it was a commercial hardback to begin with. So it's in rough shape. Uh, so that's being redone. Uh, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, and this is so, beautiful to, to become a part of this tradition. Uh, and I think it's going to turn out really well. Um, I got a very, very nice piece of leather to cover it. And it just, it's really, really looks nice. Um, so I'm hoping that will be done in the next couple of weeks and, and get that back to him. So I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, the leather's really nice. It's even nice to hold, you know, it's that slick stuff. It's kind of, it's just, uh, it's all in Ranger green and uh, have to separate the, I don't know if you saw the picture, but I have to separate the, the dedication on the inside from the old cover so I can reincorporate it into the new one. So that was a little tricky because, you know, it's the paste down that you're trying to separate from the board without tearing it to shreds. Yeah. <laughs> and with projects like that, your hopes are for it to last how long? Oh, it, this should this should be good for a very long, you mean after it's done, it should be good for a very long time. The only, the only issue with it is that it's a modern trade hardback. Um, <clears throat> so it's a flat back rather than sewn. And so the text block could be, the text block eventually could fail. Um, it looks, and looking at it, it looks very sturdy and it seems just fine, uh, but it's not rounded. So there's always that potential for it to, yeah, if it if it crack between the pages somewhere, it will just continue falling apart right. from from this from from this point. And the, uh, uh, unlike those nineteenth century Bibles, uh, I assume those were probably hand sewn, so they should last forever. The text blocks on those are fantastic. The only thing that's wrong with the text block on those old Bibles is the outermost pages that have have had heavy wear or contact with the acidified leather, uh, or sometimes the paste downs on those are um, not acid-free paper. So the outermost pages tend to crumble. Uh, but the inner, inner text blocks are usually, the inner pages of it are usually in great shape. Uh, and there's very rarely anything wrong with it. It's the biggest problem with them, they all fail in the same way and it's that the only thing really attaching it is three chords on a three chord sewn on three chords, and it's a very heavy book. 
Um, it needs bigger chords or more chords. It's just not enough. And that thin little tiny piece of leather that goes from the spine to the front cover. Uh, and that's all that's holding it together. Um, you know, and that maybe the paste down paper or something. It's just not enough for a book that's that heavy. The, the covers of this, the covers of them alone is uh, sandwiched cardboard and it's probably half inch thick, three eighths inch thick. The attachment structure is just not enough and they all fail in exactly the same way. I've never really had one that needed to be re-sewn other than occasionally someone will break the spine and two halves of it will have to be sewn back together, but I've never had to sew the entire, the entire block again. Just have to put two halves back together and that's, that's easy enough. Just a week ago, we had a discussion with uh, uh, Emily Bell, uh, a book conservator who wrote a series of articles in, in the Guild of Book Workers newsletter uh, about uh, history of book binding. And uh, we also just discussed the attachment of, uh, of uh, uh, book covers and book blocks uh, and how, 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 this, how the ways out to attach uh, changed over the years and how 19th and 20th centuries introduced many ways to save money in book, book production, but this uh, lowered the quality so much that, uh, uh, well, uh, books often start to fall apart before they are really <laughs> being used. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wonder whether they thought maybe they'd be out of business before somebody had to have, have it repaired so they wouldn't have to deal with it or something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you look at how they're made, I would, you know, I've seen pictures and things of binders of the time and just a tremendous operation because all of those books were hand sewn. You know, the number of people and the number of them that they turned out was, you know, a lot. Yeah. So just the sheer number of people that were involved in that enterprise was amazing um, to keep them all employed and you know, and the sewing was women's work. So they had that side of the house and then the other side doing the leather work and the gilding, if any. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of people. And now... And, uh, and as we know, uh, this practice continued, at least in some places, until 1980s, because uh, uh, once again, we, we had a talk uh, uh, with... Uh, um, Katie Abbott uh, uh, earlier this year, and uh, she she told us that when she wanted to become a bookbinder, she came to a, a trade to large trade bindery, and uh, uh, they in in the beginning they wanted to push her to to the ladies' room where the books are sewn, and uh, they didn't really <laughs> want her to to become yeah. a part of this uh, uh, male-only crowd of bookbinders. There were sixty-three or sixty-five bookbinders, and all male besides her. So yeah, it would. Yeah. And it it was only only 25, 30 years ago. So uh, really, not 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 long not not long ago. That's somebody that uh, it might be fun to you uh, for you to talk with too. It'd be um, Sam Allenport if you could get a hold of him. He's always good for a, an afternoon's conversation. He's. He ran Harcourt Bindery for a long time until he re retired and sold it to Acme. Um, and a lot of the uh, equipment that was left over after the merge was used to find, uh, to start the bookbinding department at North Bennett. Uh, and he's also on the North Bennett board and 
um, part of Thich Nhat society and the rest of that. So um, he's a little bit hard to track down, but he's interesting. Well, we will definitely add, add him to, to the list of, our, uh, of, of, of people we, we want to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you discussed your uh, issues with uh, uh, USPS and uh, other delivery services as well. And uh, I, I can relate quite, quite a bit with that, to, to that uh, uh, because I had my share of trouble with uh, sending orders to, to, to the United States uh, this past year. And uh, sometimes it, I, I guess uh, the main issue was, uh, uh, it, it was even not the uh, time that it took uh, for, for an order to be delivered because I can, I can say my customers, okay, I can do nothing about that. Uh, um, earlier it was two weeks. Now it's uh, from two weeks to three months and uh, uh, I can do uh, anything about it. But the, the main issue, it was uh, unpredictability, complete unpredictability of how the things will go because sometimes uh, packages could get, get through in, in two weeks as usual, but uh, other packages could be delayed forever. And uh, um, one of the, one of the main uh, points where uh, they were delayed by quite a lot was uh, the U.S. customs, and uh, uh, even even the packages that were sent ex with expedited shippings, like uh, I don't know five day shipping or something like that, could get stuck on the customs for a month, and uh, you just can do nothing about that. And your customer is like, "Well, I paid for expedited shipping. <laughs> where is my order? <laughs> I need it soon. <laughs> I need it yesterday." And you're like. Oh. I can send you another one, but it can get stuck at the same place for the same amount of time. I can do nothing about it. I think the order that I got from you took, it was two or two and a half months to get here, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, something like that. Something like that. But you've got the tracking number and you can see it just sitting there, not moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, the, the worst part was that uh, after it, it leaves uh, the Netherlands, it's in transit. And uh, uh, the U.S. Customs accepts it, but 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 it, it doesn't add anything to tracking. So it adds anything to tracking only after it is it is formally accepted. It's not on the warehouse, but it's finally accepted for processing by by the U.S. Customs. So this month, or or I don't know how much time, uh, it's just somewhere in limbo, and you don't know what's happening. But then, not not only with the United States, uh, there were some issues. I I had packages that uh, spent. Uh, four or six weeks on their way to Switzerland or to Germany. So in Europe, it was a mess as well. So, so. several packages lost on their way to Spain, <laughs> just lost completely. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, didn't you end up with something like 15,000 magnets from China? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, it, it wasn't a mistake. I was just, I became a, uh, too uh, worried at some moment that uh, uh, my my uh, the company that delivered uh, magnets to me uh, is in the UK. So it was Brexit. It, it was all these delays, and at some moment I I I was too excited that uh, uh, some orders were delayed and I didn't get shipping on time. And uh, then it was Brexit, and I wasn't sure that I I even will get the magnets in in the end. So I ordered some from China. And they came in like in in five days, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but from from the United Kingdom it took uh, like eight eight weeks or something like that. So yeah, well okay. You could just go pick them up easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes cheaper. 
<laughs> so did you have any any other uh, unusual orders uh, uh, over this past year since you started so not not year but uh, uh, since you started uh, working once again uh, last August beyond just the regular repairs the bibles and cookbooks and stuff like that there's a fair number of new things which isn't something that I've had a lot of because I spend most of my time doing repairs I enjoy the new stuff but there's been more of that like I said there's this this uh, one that's being rebound for this one customer and then the movie script that was there, that was kind of cool. And a few things like that, several photo albums, people uh, had things printed up from trips and done a couple of those and those were fun. And that's been by and large, a, an awful lot of it. I've got still have four, four of those great big Bibles plus the Yale yearbook yet to, those are tough in that you almost have to do those sequentially, you know, because you have four or five things going at once because, you know, you do something, let it dry, work on the next thing, let it dry, you know, and all that. But those Bibles are so big and they take up so much bench space. Oh, yeah. Uh, that you can really only do one of those at a time with a couple of other little things. But now I have four or five with the Yale yearbook in-house to do those. So you know, each one takes up an entire bench almost, especially if there's any paper repair involved, because that just spreads everywhere. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of hard getting those out in any kind of timely manner, because each one can take a week or two, and and that means the fifth one is already two months down the line. <laughs> so, <laughs> You could, but use then, a, but you could use an assistant by the sound of it. In some ways, I could. Up until now, I wasn't really comfortable sharing the bindery with another person. I didn't want to have to walk around all day with a mask on. Because as it is, working by yourself, you just shut the door and, and not have to walk around with masks and things. Except when you run down to the hall, to the sink, or the restroom, or something like that. Now, I probably could. But there's all kinds of logistics involved with that, and I'm not sure I want to take that on. I'd be willing to consider subcontracting out some of the work, but uh, there's no way I could take on an employee. It's just not feasible. The logistics in that are not not on my side. <laughs> so, Especially now, it's it's not easy, especially in, in our new COVID world. Uh, uh, yep. Just 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 uh, adding an, an employee or uh, some, some person who will help you with some some processes, it's it's hard enough uh, for for uh, a single entrepreneur or a single man business, a single person build business. But uh, nowadays it's even harder and uh, includes so many uh, complications. Well, hopefully with the vaccines rolling out, it, it will get easier eventually. Well, I hope so because, you know, before everything happened, um, I did do, I taught classes occasionally. And I really enjoy that. I'd like to get back to it. And I even have one lined up as soon as we can coordinate anything. But between not having trains on weekends, when I normally would have the classes, because people who take the classes also have jobs, so they can't really come from nine to five on Wednesday, you know? So until that happens, I talked to a conductor uh, yesterday who said that they're hoping to bring weekend trains back in May. Uh, maybe maybe a little bit sooner, maybe not. They let a few of the conductors go, so trying to restaff the weekend trains they're coming up with 
staffing issues, but hopefully they'll work that out. The uh, transit authority got their heads handed to them by the legislature. Uh, so they're working on increasing the service because they got a billion dollars, a billion with a B dollars bailout from the government, and then they continue to cut service. And the whole, the whole purpose of the bailout was to continue service, uh, and they just would rather put it in the bank. And then I get, uh, I guess, uh, management uh, got their bonuses uh, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> they did, yep. And but at least a couple of our representatives said, you know, no, you got this money, you got this money to keep the trains running. You will keep the trains running starting tomorrow. Service increases, and then hopefully soon the weekend, so I can get back to doing some classes, which I'm really looking forward to because I haven't been able to do one for a year, and I enjoy them. There's, I have one guy who has an enormous collection of comics. I think. And once a whole series of slipcases made and would prefer to do them himself. So he wants to take a class in making a slipcase so he can go do his wall of, of for his collection. Because right now I guess they're in they're in cardboard boxes and piles, and his wife is not happy about that. <laughs> so he's trying to get them all on a bookshelf somehow. But he needs to know how to make them. So giving him a prototype so make sure the size is right so then we can just get together for a day and show him how to do it tell him where to get supplies or whatever but he's coming from a long way away he's way down on the south coast so it's not something that you can just oh let's come this afternoon because you know it's a two-hour trip for him and what about book fairs and the like are you optimistic will there be any big gatherings or any size of gatherings perhaps outside this well Uh, the building that I'm in is having an outdoor uh, thing today. Normally, the building that I'm in has an, traditionally had open studios the first Saturday of every month, which is always a lot of fun. I personally don't benefit a whole lot from it because I don't typically have a whole lot of retail stuff for sale. I have a, a few things, but for me, sitting there working on that, during that open studio, people don't realize that I'm there. They'll come by the studio and they go, oh, I have this thing at home that needs to be fixed. And they'll come back. You know, they'll, they didn't know that they could have that done or that somebody would do that sort of thing. Uh, so they'll bring it back later. So that's always been a big benefit for me. Because of the nature of the work, I can't really participate in the outdoor markets. Uh, the other studios in the building are in large part painters and ceramics and woodworkers and there's a glass blower and uh, you know that sort of art work so those translate better to an outdoor market most of them for this summer have already been canceled the bigger ones uh, the destination ones have all been canceled brimfield's been canceled a couple of the other ones in new hampshire and maine have all been canceled already I'm hoping that towards the end of the summer, we'll start being able to get back to the open studios at least. So I think by say, well, open studios here has never been big in the summer. Uh, people go away for the summer or they'll have a, you know, for something. And then of course it's an old mill building. So there's no air conditioning. And I can tell you, it gets sweltering. Um, the position of my studio is such that 
the sun starts coming in my window around 2.30 in the afternoon. And it's the mill that was there was an old textile mill. The floor that I'm on was, I'm not quite sure what they did there, but whatever it was, it, there are steel plates in the floor. Uh, it's not a wooden floor, it's all steel plates. So at 2.30, my studio turns into a literal toaster oven because you can feel the sun coming in the window, hits those steel plates, and you can feel it just radiate up, you know, into your face. And it gets well over 90, what would that be? Well over 40, I guess, by three o'clock. And by four o'clock, you just got to get out of there. You can't, can't take it anymore. Because the wind, the, there's usually a nice breeze in through the window, but as soon as the sun comes in, it stops. So it just, you know, it is pretty brutal. So there are not a lot of open studios in the summer, but I'm hoping like maybe September-ish, maybe they'll get started again. I don't know. Perhaps you could resurrect the medieval practice of uh, sewing outside. Yeah, it could do that. That's easy enough. Um, and that is nice that it doesn't have a whole lot of equipment that you have to carry around with you. You know, you only need two or three things. You need needles and thread and maybe yeah. a sewing frame, depending on what you're doing. And that's it, you know, that would work. So uh, last April, we discussed, uh, among other things, that uh, you obviously had uh, some issues uh, with, the, with the rent because uh, you, you, you had to continue paying the full amount and uh, uh, your landlord uh, didn't really want to, you know, to offer any, any solutions to that because they, in, 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 they also had to pay some, I don't know, mortgage or something like that. So I guess, well, we can see that you survived and you, you stayed in the same... Uh, in the same workshop, but how was it uh, from this uh, point of view for you? Uh, did you, you know, return to your normal profits and how, how is it in general money-wise? Well, uh, last year, I was lucky in that I had actually rented out a bench to someone. Uh, half of the rent was covered um, by the renter. Uh, she left in December, mostly for for COVID reasons, plus she got a, another full-time job. We could have worked it out where she would be there nights and weekends since there's no trains. She could be there nights and weekends. But you know, now she's on a nine to five, Monday to Friday job, which takes a lot out of you. And she was not comfortable coming to the building after dark, which is totally understandable considering where it is. Uh, so it just didn't really work out after December. And then the landlord uh, did give a one month, charged half rent for one month last year. So that was, that was something. Starting in January though, this year, it's back to full, full price. I've been helped out quite a bit by last year being such a good year. You know, the, the large job that I talked about with the boxes and stuff that really carried me through the year. I don't see that repeating this year, but I've got an awful lot of small jobs a lot more than last year. Last year was the one big job that carried me all the way through. Because also for, what was it, four or five or six, four or five months, there were no commuter rail passes either. So that's another $340 a month you don't have to pay because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
positive things you'll find in 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 the global pandemic <laughs> yeah and even then they didn't even collect fares for the entire month of september so you just get on the train and go there's no tickets or anything that helped a lot plus the government came up through with a little bit of support for people which unusually this time they included sole proprietorships you know single person businesses uh, which is not had not been done before because typically you know one man businesses one person businesses are overlooked they're only interested in you know if you have five or more employees then you qualify for this program this time though i think the situation was dire enough that they made sure to include everybody got kind of screwed on the second one but that's that's okay i got part of it anyway so things carried me through last year was it actually a pretty decent year we'll see how this year goes um i honestly don't know how it will go you know if you have your magic eight ball it says signs look good <laughs> but who knows you know if i can if i can get the work done because i found i think i told you this before but before the lockdown i'd been working a lot you know five or six days a week typically 12 hours a day or so and when the lockdown came it really took me about a month before i felt like i was rested up enough to want to go back to work and i've just decided i don't want to be that tired anymore i just don't want to be that exhausted so at this point i've pretty much decided i'm working 4 days a week i do monday tuesday and then thursday and friday which gives me wednesday to do all the stuff that you have to do when places are open shops that are only open from 8 to 5 or whatever because there's a lot of those now so that that's been good but it also i'm not still not quite used to scheduling things with 4 days versus <laughs> Five. Yeah. It could go back up to 5 if I could get there on a Saturday, occasional Saturday or something, but we'll see if that happens. I don't know. But I kind of like this two Mondays and two Fridays a week. It's kind of a nice thing. You never get so totally run down that you feel like you just can't get out of bed anymore. Which working 12-hour days by Thursday, you're just I don't want to go. Fun. Take a note. Take a note. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my my current goal is uh, to properly have uh, two uh, rest days per week and uh, I I I if I'm if I'm uh, honest enough I can say that I I properly had have one uh, rest day a week uh, uh, at at the moment. Well, now it's uh, now I don't have a business working and so <laughs> I, I well uh, but I still don't have enough uh, rest day yet uh, rest days I guess but yeah, yeah, but, now, yeah. but now you're unpacking and apartment hunting that's a full time job <laughs> all by itself yeah yeah that's true and then I will need to register a new business I will need to find a uh workplace a workshop uh, space and uh well it will be fun i read your note this morning said have you not decided where you're going to land or other than it's not going to be paris we almost sure that uh, it wouldn't be paris because uh, paris is more expensive and uh, well and the apartments are usually smaller here <laughs> and we need all this space because uh, both of us are working from home and uh, well as it appears so we need more space because of that <laughs> and, uh, and my wife doesn't want it anymore that uh, i i have my uh, workshop uh, combined with our living room because uh, it usually just uh, you know spills all over the place and you can't contain it 
so she told me like you will have a separate room and uh, i will see <laughs> nothing of your stuff outside this room <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty happy with this approach but uh, uh it just means that we need more rooms in our apartment <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah yeah we, we found this uh, nice uh, cozy uh old uh, apartment in 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 uh, um I think it's a four-story building or something like that without an elevator uh, with creaky uh, uh, wood floors and all that stuff. And even with two chimneys in, in there, but we, we are not sure if they are working. Uh, but we, we need to get uh, the confirmation from the landlord uh, if they like us enough to allow us to move in. So <laughs> we are sort of uh, a bit nervous about this uh, right now. We'll see how it goes. But if you have creaky wooden floors, make sure you're on the top floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I found during the during the lockdown, the, there's I'm in a building with 11 condos, and I'm on the first floor. Um, so they're on my side of the building. There are four above me, and the guy who's right directly above me has now started a home gym. <laughs> <laughs> So there have been times where the ceiling fan in the living room is like, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And uh, I hope uh, uh, pretty soon we will be able to move there. But uh, uh, we need to buy some furniture. We need to con uh, get the inter internet connection because it, it takes two weeks in France uh, to get you connected. And, uh, uh, well, it takes time. So... Uh, I guess uh, we'll, 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 we are going to, to finish our talk. Uh, and uh, it was definitely interesting to hear uh, something about your new projects and uh, how this year passed for you, because uh, I'm sure this uh, repre represents uh, experiences of some other bookbinders as well, because uh, we all have been uh, hit in one way or, or another but, uh, by this global crisis. Uh, you you had you had an influx of orders. Uh, I had uh, a lot of orders this past year, so I cannot uh, you know complain about uh, uh, amount of money I got. But still, there were a lot of other problems and issues we had to deal uh, throughout this year. And uh, well, some of these issues continue up to this moment. So we're not through yet, but uh, hopefully it will get better with every month. <laughs> well, things are looking up. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Um, the numbers here in the state are going the wrong direction at the moment, so they're everybody's very nervous. Um, in Moscow, too, for the first time in months. Not that you can believe any of uh, the official statistics, which is, which makes it even more worrying. Yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's just us getting used to it. Yeah, and the. Uh, one of the things that's a little disturbing is the trains. This is uh, this the sports seasons have gotten all twisted around. So the North Station, where my train goes into, up above it is the Boston Garden, where the Celtics and the Bruins play, the basketball and the hockey teams, uh, and they're starting to meet in person again. So the trains in on game nights have gotten uncomfortably crowded. I mean, there for months there, I was like the only guy in the car. 
because uh, I have a reverse commute because people are coming, you know, I go out of town during rush hour where everybody else is coming in. So kind of have the train to myself. But now that they're having in-person games again, the trains are getting uncomfortably crowded. And then, of course, everybody likes to prime before the game. So they're all not, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not entirely vertical, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, the Garden has done a pretty good job so far of keeping their fans out of North Station. Because even though it's the same building, you know, North Station is the first floor and the uh, Garden is up above. But they, unlike before, they're making everybody go outside to get into the Garden. Because there's an inside way up from the train, but they have to go straight out. So you can actually get from the train to the subway without... Uh, going through hordes of Celtics or Bruins fans or something. So that at least has been, seems to be going well. So I'm hoping that with the increase in train service, that that will take care of itself starting tomorrow. But we'll we'll see. Or I can take a later one on home game nights or something. But seems to me the basketball season should be ending shortly. Hockey, I think, goes till June. Or the playoffs go till June. I can't, I don't know how long the season goes. But we'll see. And everything's abbreviated anyway, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'll hope for the best. Yeah. And maybe next time we can get together, I can um, talk to you from up there and give you a little shop tour. Yeah, that would be really nice. Uh, I guess we will return for, uh, to you with, uh, with another shorter uh, talk and, uh, well, you'll give us a tour of your workshop. Because this time, yeah, we, we planned to talk yesterday, but yesterday when we came back uh, uh, home after all these apartment tours, uh, we were just floored and we went to sleep <laughs> at, at seven. And yeah, it's usually we go to sleep at midnight. So it was completely untypical for us. Well, at least you're in the same time zone. You didn't have to. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's move true. to New Jersey or whatever your original plans were. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is true. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so uh, thanks a lot, Todd. And uh, uh, I, I wanted to invite uh, all of our uh, viewers and listeners to join the crowd on Patreon because uh, uh, the money that we get from our patrons allow us to edit this podcast. And we have a lot of plans for this year to, uh, you know, uh, to uh, bring other languages and uh, many more guests and some of them talking in foreign languages so that we need translation for that. Uh, so if you're ready to support us, pledges start with only one dollar, one pound or one euro, depending on your location. And uh, it helps us a lot. So thanks a lot for uh, uh, for your help if you are already a, a patron of Fibre Binding. Uh, thanks uh, to all our viewers. Please share, like, subscribe, uh, join the crowd, and uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.